along. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on this very bright and sunny Saturday morning. Porik, good morning. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. It's beautiful out there, isn't it? Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning. Now, before we get into gardening questions and yeah. all of that kind yeah. of thing proper, you've been out and about during the week. I was out and week. about during the yeah. weekend. And, uh, so have a listen to this. Yeah, so we were talking to Barry. I was talking to Barry in the Bailey restaurant. He's the head chef. Lovely. The Bailey restaurant in, in Turlock. Okay, here we go. Well, a very good morning, listeners. I'm here this morning with Barry Ralph from the Bailey restaurant. Good morning, Barry. Park, how's things? It's great. And we're standing in the uh, herb garden or the herb area in the garden centre. Now, I was telling listeners last week on radio about the ransoms, the wild garlic soup that I enjoyed in the Bailey restaurant. It was absolutely fantastic. That was wild garlic that you foraged yourself, wasn't it, Barry? Uh, yes, Park. Um, I would have foraged that now not only five minutes away from the restaurant here in Turla. Um, the greenway, I say, between the museum and Castle Bar, especially the last kilometre coming towards the museum, is absolutely covered in wild garlic at the minute. And I say it's really easy to get and really good for flavour for soups and and that at the minute. And it's it's mainly that the foliage that you use. It's the young growth, isn't it, that 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 you harvest. It's the young growth at the minute because the flowers are just about to come on it now. So we ha- we basically have it for about another month. So, yeah, it's just the foliage I'm using at the minute. Okay, so if people pick wild garlic, what sort of dishes can you use it in? I, I enjoyed it in the soup, but what other sort of dishes could you use wild garlic in at the moment? Well, you could make it in a pesto. You could have put it on pastas, pizzas, stuff like that. Um, this week in the restaurant, I have it uh, through a nice uh, olive oil with some capers, and I have that with a lovely spring lamb dish on this week in the restaurant. All right, so that's a lovely flavour. And I was in Café Rua during the week or last week, and I had it in, uh, they have beautiful mayonnaise made from the wild garlic as well. You mentioned the pesto, so you'd use it instead of using basil, would you? Yeah, just replace the basil with uh, with the wild garlic, and then would you would... Uh, take out your, your garlic in your normal pesto recipe because you wouldn't uh, obviously add garlic twice. It would be too strong. Okay. Now, standing here, we're at the, in the, uh, the uh, herb area of the garden centre and I'm surrounded with things like rosemary and thyme and parsley and so on. What sort of herbs do you use and, and would you advise listeners to grow now, to use them for kitchen use over the next couple of weeks and months? Well, me not being a gardener, me being a chef, uh, from my own experiences, uh, the likes of mint, uh, rosemary, thyme, lemon balm, um, coriander, parsley, these are all very easy to grow. Um, uh, Like I've had a rosemary bush out the back of my house for the last seven, eight years, the same way with mint. Um, You know, they're really easy. And it's great to like, if you're ever cooking at home, just go out, take a a snippet or two off off the bush, use it and say, why not, you know, for the sake of three or four euro, you have it there for forever, you know? Yeah, and, and you can't beat the fresh the fresh yeah, herbs, fresh, can you? fresh herbs, exactly, yeah. So healthy eating is very in vogue at the moment, Barry, and I know you've got a special event coming up this Thursday, the 28th of April, here in the Bayleaf restaurant. Tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a charity event for the Irish Cancer Society, which is something very close to my heart, and the same with Ivan, uh, here at the Bayleaf, uh, my own mother passed away from cancer, as as did Ivan's. Um, then we have a girl from uh, Kilchamach called uh, Melissa Morley. Uh, Morley's Motivation, you'll find her website and her Facebook page. And she would have lost her mother recently as well. So we sort of all came together with uh, Lorraine Toner from the Irish Cancer Society and uh, Michelle Malone from uh, That's So Shelley Fitness, which is going to create a panel. They're going to... Uh, concentrate on exercise and eating plans and then I'm going to come up with uh, healthy alternatives to, to food you know um, 
my angle on it is not going to be telling you what to eat for breakfast, lunch or dinner. What I'm going to concentrate on is the snacky stuff, is when you have your dinner at 6 o'clock and between 6 o'clock and before you go to uh, how you can eat healthy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use uh, some of their recipes, but I'm also going to do some of my own. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be foraging seaweed. Uh, I'm going to be pickling it. I'm going to be drying it out. Uh, I'm also going to be doing vegetable crisps like of uh, kale and stuff like that. Um, and just giving people an idea because I think that's where people fall down mostly in diets. It's not the three meals a day, it's the in-between. It's the snacking, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you, you're, what, you're, what I'm hearing is that you can get healthier alternatives uh, to the typical snack. So it sounds very interesting using the likes of broccoli, kale. How do you get them into the, into the crisps or into the chips, the healthy chips? Uh, just dehydration. Basically, yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah. you'll be showing you'll be showing listeners how to do that. Um, and what other healthy recipes are you going to focus on? Um, I'm actually going to use some of Melissa Morley's own recipes. Now, she lost five stone on her plan, which is massive, and it's some achievement for somebody to do. And also coming on the panel that night is Michael Morn from Kilchamaw, who lost 40 pounds on the Operation Transformation since Christmas. Okay. So I'm going to be using some of the stuff they've done, and I'm also going to be using some of my own. And then, uh, say, Michelle Malone is going to bring you through some of the, the exercise part of it. Okay. So it's, it's going to be a combination of advising people on a he healthier lifestyle through exercise, through cooking, um, and through, I suppose, listening to other people that have been through this journey and have come out, come out with a healthier lifestyle. Losing some weight is one, one positive thing. But really, I suppose, improve fitness, improve health, lower cholesterol, all the things that we're really looking for. Yeah, exactly, Park. You know, it's just a better lifestyle for, for everyone. You know, yeah, everyone, yeah. So that's this Thursday, the 28th of April. What time is the event kicking uh, off? The event kicks off at 7 o'clock, and uh, you can get the tickets uh, through Lorraine Toner from the Irish Cancer Society on 086-773-4245, or you can ring the Bailey Restaurant on 094-928-9743. Our listeners can pop into the Garden Centre and the Bailey Restaurant over this weekend or indeed next week and pick up a ticket. How much are the tickets, by the way? Uh, Ten euro. Ten euro and all funds go towards the Irish Cancer Foundation. Yep. Well, look, at it's a great event. Really looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for all the tips, by the way, on, in terms of using the herbs and using the wild garlic. It's great. Yeah, especially the wild garlic. You've got about three or four weeks left. Uh, so get out, get foraging, get healthy, get fresh air. And I'm interested you're, you're foraging for seaweed as well. Yeah, and I just give a shout out there to my aunt down in Coron and Ackle, uh, Bridie and uh, Patsy. Uh, I'll be down there Monday evening <laughs> looking for foraging for seaweed. Very good. I also noticed microgreens. A lot of the uh, sh chefs seem to be using these microgreens now, the kind of sprouts and small vegetables. Are, are you using some of those? Yeah, at the minute, uh, say with the spring lamb, I'm using a lot of pea shoots and stuff like that, say, and the likes of cress and stuff like that. And especially for people to grow at home, you can set your cress, grow it, you can harvest it, you can have it in two weeks. You know, exactly. it's great. Exactly, yeah. seed, yes, yeah. it's a great way of doing yeah. it. Look at Barry, thanks for your time, really appreciate it, and really looking forward to that event. So that's Thursday, the 28th of April, here in the Garden Centre in the Bayleaf Restaurant from 7pm, and uh, it, it sounds like it's going to be a great evening. Yeah, really looking forward to it, and say it's a great, great cause. Thank you. Oh, great stuff there all together, Boric. Yeah. Ah, yeah, no, it's, it's a great event. So look at the tickets are available at the moment in the Bailey Restaurant or in the Garden Centre. And it's uh, this, Thursday this Thursday night, the 28th. Mm. Now, speaking about cancer, the uh, Mayo 
Pink Ribbon is on this day week. This day week, uh, April 30th. And um, I'm going to be actually here next week doing the show. Right. I do think I'm busy on a Saturday, but go on. But I'm <laughs> clad in, yeah. in, in uh, Lycra cycling okay. gear because I've, I've decided this year to actually uh, go along and participate and, and do the uh, 108 kilometres cycle yes. uh, the next Saturday. Okay, no so. mean feet now. Well, yeah, doffing know, my cap to you. My first absolutely. time actually with Mayo Pink Ribbon. Really? So I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to it and really enjoying it. And, and looking at the weather forecast, I think it's to be reasonably good next weekend. Uh, so fingers crossed. So I'm asking listeners, I've actually put a, a Mayo Pink Ribbon display in the garden centre. Okay. There is a sponsorship car there. I'm asking listeners, if they're in the garden centre, over the weekend mm. or early next week to, to maybe sponsor a line. I've put a hamper together, a gardening hamper, it's a, valued around 100 euros. And anybody that uh, sponsors me will be in a draw for that hamper. And um, we'll pick the winner here on the show next week. So uh, I'll have to come with wallet in hand next wallet Saturday in morning. Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's, it's worth a tenner to see me clad in, 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 uh, in cycling <laughs> gear. Don't, please don't else. go there. Please don't go there. <laughs> I can see already that you're enthusiastic about it. But look, at, uh, it's, look at, it's a good event and um, I'm delighted to be involved and really looking forward to doing the cycle uh, next week. So if people are in the garden centre you'll see the the, uh, sponsorship card, it's up around the till area there on the exit and uh, put your name down and we'll enter you into a draw into a garden hamper. Great stuff. And that's an event that has really grown over the last, uh, I'm not sure how many years it's It's on the goal. This is their sixth year actually. And I know 600,000 raised to date which is just an incredible figure altogether. I mean and every penny goes to uh, uh, the research of cancer in the NUI in, in Galway and it's it's the, the money is spent in the Connacht region in terms of that research so I mean it's a great it's a great lo- local charity um, so I'm looking forward to okay. getting out there and doing my bit Okay we'll look forward I think to seeing you in the Lycra <laughs> next Saturday <laughs> Remember I will be here at 9 o'clock to do yes. the Gardaic show first First and, and then, we, and, then, then the and then cycling yeah. for the day yeah, um, and of course that event then on Thursday evening in, Thursday in evening in the, the Bailey, Bailey restaurant. restaurant don't forget that great. yeah that's going to be a great event Wonderful um, now, weather, great pork, as I mentioned, I think from seven o'clock onwards, and we've had to pull the blinds because the sun is streaming yeah, it's in. Beautiful. So that so obviously means done. a lot of people are going to be out in the garden over sure the weekend. Are. And look at the plants, you can even see it on the way up, the amount of plants that have come into flower in the last couple of weeks and the growth that, that has started there as well. Um, I was reminded yesterday, I was talking to to Dermot from the Western Bee, uh, the, the mm. Westport Bee uh, Club and he was talking to me about many of the plants in flower, a lot of the bees are actually visiting particularly the single flowers, but right. they're also visiting uh, our weeds, so things like the dandelions and daisies. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that yesterday because I see my own lawn uh, we probably could do it a trim. They're all up, and I said, "Oh well, I leave them there for another few days for the well, bees." Well, that's it. That's what he's asking. <laughs> that was requesting. my excuse. Well, that's it. If you could leave them for maybe another two, four, fortnight, because the bees are visiting all the single flowers, particularly dandelions. They're full of pollen and nectar, and very attractive to both bumblebees and and honeybees. So, mm. spraying them now, you're going to do some damage to the bees, obviously. So, if they could be left for maybe a fortnight, um, but in in general, you know, in terms of weed control, the weather is fantastic at the moment, even if you get out the garden hoe and scuffle off a few weeds they're going to die off very very quickly right. if you are spraying weeds obviously try to av- avoid the ones that are flowering but you will get a very good kill with this sort of heat it's amazing how fast the weed control because the weeds have been growing they're very soft now so they're very susceptible to something like weed free or one of the general weed weed um, killers and you can still 
any of the garden weed killers, uh, people can still apply those mm. perfectly uh, fine. And this is perfect weather. I've also noticed um, people that have applied zero maybe back in March, it would be a good idea to reapply that, particularly if you've got heavy moss. If there's a lot of moss this year on the lawn, even though you may have applied it in March, my advice is to give it a second application because zero not only kills off the moss, it actually greens up the lawn. It gives it a lovely, it gives it a tonic. Uh, so it actually gives it a nice rich colour so whilst the weather is dry it would be a good idea to do that in terms of sowing seed I've noticed some nice night scented stock Yes. Uh, so now is the time to actually sow many of the seeds vegetable seeds uh, herbs um, but night scented stock is one of those plants if you sow it directly out of doors now it germinates within a couple of days and it gives fantastic scent particularly in the evening time, from June, the middle of June, right through the summer. It's a beautiful plant to put close to a patio area or a windowsill or somewhere maybe you're sitting out during the summertime because the scent of, of night scented snark oh, is just fantastic. Gorgeous, yeah. And so simple to grow. It's a really e- e- easy seed. It's also available in plants at the moment. Um, the other key thing really is the... Um, the feeding of plants to continue to feed plants and also the planting. There's still plenty of moisture in the soil so planting conditions have improved greatly. I was saying this last Saturday, when you get that wind, that April wind with the sunshine, soil dries out very, very quickly. So it's perfect planting time. So for vegetable plants, um, if you haven't put your, for example, your potatoes into the garden or if you want to plant some of the cabbages and lettuce and all the hardy vegetables, they Mm. can be sown out of doors now. Onions, radishes, um, garlic, any of those plants can be got into the ground now. But also the planting of trees, um, you see lots of flowering cherries just beginning to flower. You can still plant the likes of those now because the soil conditions are just right. So in terms of putting in a bit of colour, a splash of colour, or putting in new trees or shrubs or hedging, Certainly the soil conditions are, are ideal. ideal. And we're promised this weather to last a little bit of rain, a little bit of showers, which is no harm yeah. in the middle of, of the week. But overall, it's going to be a relatively dry right. week. So ideal for, you know, weed control, for planting up containers with, with a bit of colour, for planting trees and shrubs and hedging in general, and particularly in the fruit and veg garden, for getting out those vegetable plants now. Ideal conditions. Do keep an eye, there's quite heavy dew at night time, um, so the slug activity has started, so the slugs will be out and about. So if you are putting out tender or um, soft plants, foliage plants, just watch for those, particularly veg plants. Um, but apart from that, it's perfect weather conditions for getting out getting there into the garden yeah. and, and planting and, and sowing in general. And the temperatures are right now, even for the likes of carrot seed, that the That's seed a little is bit more w- for the of heat. Yeah. Mm. One, one tip would be, and I see a question in this morning about bedding plants in general, mm. when to plant out the bedding plants. Yeah, because so, yeah, like, on my car now this oh, morning, absolutely. there was just, it was just a film, but it was there, it was the cold. Frost is yeah, there. And that was whatever... Yeah. Now remember, there are bedding plants that you can plant out that are perfectly hardy. So things like anthraniums, the snapdragon is is a totally hardy plant. Lavateria, um, English marigolds, the calendulas, the old English marigolds, stock can be planted out of doors. White allison, that little lovely white border plant. Um, Mimulus. The, the musk flower. So there's lots of what we call hardy annuals mm-hmm. that will tolerate. Sweet pea, for example, can be planted out of doors perfectly safe. Even if we get some frost at night time, it won't be affected. What you avoid are things like French marigolds, begonias, busy lizzies, all those softer tender plants, ageratum, the kind of typical bedding plants we see in the summertime. Avoid those at the moment. Don't put them out for at least another two to three weeks. We can get frost right up until the first or second week of May. So anything that's frost sensitive, tomato plants, 
onions, peppers, chilies, cucumbers, protect them at night time. Also, some of the spring flowering plants, or particularly young foliage on forest flame, for example. And I, again, I think I, I, I saw a question coming in around forest mm-hmm. flame. So any kind of tender plants, put a bit of fleece over those at night time just to protect them when you get the frosty nights. Okay. But in terms of kind of planting in general, herbs, veg, potatoes, garlic, um, any of the hardy annuals I mentioned, like the sweet peas, it's perfectly fine. Violas, pansies, all of those can be planted out now. Yeah. So don't be put off by the frost at night time. Just avoid planting any of the tender plants, those softer plants. Okay. And yeah. really ask in your local garden centre, when you're purchasing the plants, ask them, are they frost hardy? Yeah. And if they're frost hardy, you can put them out. Fire ahead. Okay. And if not, keep them. If not, just, just I would avoid even purchasing them. them for another two weeks okay. or three weeks. Unless you've got a, a greenhouse or tunnel yeah. uh, to play, you know, and you want to do up some early containers, fine. But uh, just hold off purchasing those for another week or two. Okay, we'll go to questions then, yeah, Porik. Yep. So, um, as you just mentioned, presume better not to plant out bedding plants until after the cold spell. Uh, white lily from a pot, what should we do there? Is that okay to put well, out just or hang on? No, no, that's fine. That's the arum lily. That's fine to put out of doors. Um, so you can plant that out now at the moment. So that, that can go out. So anything that's hardy can go out. Any of the softer, tender plants hold off for another week or two. Now, here's an interesting one. Must be a pretty big hedge. Would it be okay to cut back a grisolinia hedge with a tractor hedge cutter? Hasn't been cut back in two years, so it's quite overgrown. Right. The answer is yes, it will. Grisolinia reshoots again um, quite easily once pruned back. Now, don't go too severe. I mean, don't hack it back altogether. Mm. But you can certainly remove two to three feet from the top and, you know, at least a foot or maybe a foot and a half from the sides of the plant. I would give it a, a... a handful of fertilizer as well after you prune it back because you want to encourage some new growth. Uh, but certainly it can be trimmed back and a tractor um, hedge trimmer is perfectly fine to do that. Lovely. Uh, now, I enjoyed the Grow Your Own talk last Sunday. Oh, yeah, we had a great, great crowd great last crowd. Sunday. Yeah, Super. of course, you were yeah, busy Saturday and Sunday, wasn't it, last weekend? Well, Saturday was actually a little bit quieter. Okay. And I think there was probably a lot going on last Saturday. But we did have, we had people there, but certainly Sunday we were... Um, Full crowd, we had, a great, we had a great attendance, yeah, it was really good. Okay, well on foot of that, on. Uh, this listener plans to set up a herb or an, or an herb, veg and fruit plot, great. but need a, they need an evergreen hedge to provide shelter to the garden, so what's the best to use? Well, in a veg, well, you, you're going to need a hedge, say, up to about five or six feet, so the hedge I would put in would be um, a, a hedge called Etna, E-T-N-A. It's evergreen, dark green foliage. Mm-hmm really nice hedge it's relatively slow growing but it will grow to five or six feet so it's easy to maintain and in the veg garden you don't want an overly vigorous hedge because naturally it's going to be taking the nutrition out of the soil and put Etna, yeah, it's a lovely, really, really nice hedge. Um, It's in the laurel family. It's got very dark green leaves. The young growth is actually quite nice. It's bronze or reddish in colour. And then it changes to dark green. It retains its foliage all year round. Why I I like it is that it's easy to grow. It's easy to maintain in particular. Needs, you know, trimming once a year at most. And won't overpower the garden. So that's called... Laura Etna, E-T-N-A, really, really nice hedge. Very dark green foliage that um, retains it 12 months of the year. It's a really nice plant and a good time to plant it, actually, at this time of year. Okay, and then uh, you'll be able to put in your herb, in your, veg and yeah. fruit plot. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. So obviously trying to create a little bit of shelter in the garden, which of course is going to be important. Now, I cut back and dug out a dog rose bush that's years old. Okay. What do I put on the roots that are left to completely kill it off? Would Roundup work? Well, you'd be better with one of the uh, tree, the um, stump treatments. So there's a very good one called SBK. So think of those three letters, SBK. It's a brushwood killer. You simply paint it onto the um, the stump 
or the root of the rose and it'll kill it off because dog roses reshoot underground. Right. They actually send up underground stems. Uh, so the SBK will kill that off. If you see any of the shoots coming up, you could treat it with that as well. And in general, if people are cutting back old stumps and they want them to stop them from regrowing, you'll find the SPK very, very effective. So it's a specific brushwood killer. It's ideally used for old stumps, tree stumps, ivy, that sort of thing, and is a very effective. It's also very effective on tough weeds, right. like Japanese knotweed that we talked about yes. before, or briars, or nettles, those kind of more woodier uh, type weeds. You'll find the SPK very effective. And again, this sort of weather is ideal for getting them on. Lovely. Now, forest flame, you did mention this. Can I, I transplant it also? What is the best time to resist frost? Or, sorry, the best type, I bet Well, the, 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 the thing with, with uh, forest flame uh. is the tree, the plant itself is, is perfectly hardy, but the young growth that it produces, mm. producing the lovely pink growth at the moment, and that's sensitive to frost. So if we get a late frost, uh, as, we, as we are this year, the young shoot can be burnt off. Now, that's not the end of the plant. The plant will reshoot again and you get the lovely pink colour a couple of weeks later. What you can do to prevent the frost damage is to cover it at night time with some garden fleece. So ordinary garden fleece, dress it over the top of the plant and uh, that'll help to protect the shoots from, from any frost. In terms of transplanting, it's gone a bit late, to be honest. I would leave the transplanting to next autumn or early spring of next okay. year. We're into the growing season now. Plants are actively growing, particularly the forest flame, and you'll only set it back by transplanting it. So I would leave it alone. What you could do this year is actually undercut it. Go around the actual... Uh, forest flame with the spade and just cut the roots. Don't dig the plant up but le use the spade to prune back the roots. So put slice the spade into the ground around the edge of the forest flame bush and that prunes the roots. It encourages the roots to produce a nice fibrous root over the summer period and then when you lif lift it next autumn you've got a perfect root ball to transplant it. So it prepares the plant for transplanting in the autumn or early spring. Lovely. So you simply go around with the, sh the spade and just slice it down around the root of the plant but don't lift it. Now we've got a wisteria 10 foot high Great. Um, and we're wondering can we cut it back? Well remember it's going to come into flower yeah. in April, so late April, early May. So we're going to cut away the flowers if we go well, cut if, it, Well if, if you cut it hard back you will but if you if you just trim back the whippy growth so there'll be tall whippy growth maybe two foot or three foot of whippy growth right at the top of the wisteria that can be certainly pruned now if you wish just to tidy it back because mm. there'll be no flowers on that whippy growth. It, it flowers on, on older wood. Um, so certainly you can cut back 18 inches to two, two feet of the top whippy growth but apart from that I wouldn't prune it any more severe than that. Okay. Alternatively you can leave it till it goes out of flower at the end of May mm -hmm. and then prune it back yeah. and that'll, that's probably a better, better option. option. So maybe just tidy it up now and then at the end of May prune it back and uh, it'll be perfectly fine. Okay, now here's Lovely climber, Wisteria. Oh, I think they're stunning. Beautiful. Yeah, they're, I mean, I know that they don't last for a very long time, but my goodness. I when mean, the they, flower is nearly When they're in bloom, there's they? just something so incredibly lush and gorgeous yeah. about Wisteria. Yeah. Yeah. They are really nice. They come in a whole range of colours and a great time to plant them. And they're very vigorous climber. It's a great climber if you want to cover a big old tree mm. or a big old trellis or a wall oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I remember I, seeing one in Dublin around a house once and it was just... Oh, they're... And it was kind of show time, Yeah, and it was just really stunning. And you can mix them with other climbers mm. so you can mix them with climbing roses that would give colour in the summertime so you don't have to leave the wisteria on its own you could put clematis up through it or honeysuckles to get summer colour so you can mix it in with other climbers to yeah. extend the flowering period now here's one I, I am unfamiliar with Porik Ardisia is it Ardisia crenata Go on, yeah. am I am I saying well, that right there. 
nearly there. Um, how to take care of it? Is it still, it's, if it is still in the pot, do I plant it out? I have boxes on a grave. What? Oh, it's a couple of questions here now. Uh, boxes on a grave. What daffodils and crocuses can I bring uh, for next year? Um, and keep, can I keep them in the shed until next year? Or can I bring so, them? Let, yeah. yeah. So well, I, they're, they're you, on the grave now and I'm supposed to bring in the bulbs. Is it okay to do that? Okay. And in general, with, 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 blo- with bulbs, with spring flowering bulbs, many of them have gone out of flower now mm-hmm. at the moment. The crocuses, snowdrops, daffodils. If they're in your way or if they're in boxes or containers that you want to move them uh, somewhere else, then now is a good time just to lift them and replant them. If you put them into the shed, they're just going to die off okay. and, and disappear. So I would actually replant them somewhere else. Put them into other containers in the garden uh, or plant them into the garden soil for, and you know, and leave them there until next year and they'll flower there next year perfectly fine. So it's a good time of year for actually lifting bulbs, splitting them, transplanting somewhere else. Mm. Because often at this time of year, people often ring in and say, look, the daffodils are Death. finished flowering. Yeah. They're in my way. I want to plant something else. So now is the time to actually dig them up and transplant plant them elsewhere. elsewhere. It's a really good time. In terms of the Ardrissia, you want to really uh, keep that indoors for another three to four weeks. I wouldn't put it out until certainly the middle of May and then take it back in in September. Okay. Um, now, I would like to have a go at growing Swiss chard this summer. Oh, yeah. Swiss chard, yeah, yeah. How to? How would you grow it? What types of plants and when will it be ready to use, please? Okay, well, you can buy, you can sow it from seed at this time of year. It's in the beet family, so it's a yeah. very, very uh, relation to the sugar beet and, and, and other plants like but, that. But is it the leaves you eat or is it it's the bowl? The, it's, it's both. You okay. actually eat the leaves and the stems. The um, you can eat the leaves. So, so first of all, you sow it from seed at this yeah. time of year. It comes in a whole range of different colours and uh, some fantastic stem colours. So it comes in kind of whites and oranges. There's a lovely variety called Bright Lights, which is a mixture of different colours. So it's orange, uh, reds, whites, green stem- stems. The foliage is is, is dark green. Um, so it's very attractive actually in the vegetable garden mm. or in the flower border as well. You sow it from seed at this time of year out of doors or you can purchase some plants. You harvest the leaves then when they're young and you can actually use the leaves in salads. So you can eat them raw if you wish or you can cook it like spinach and you can cook the stems then like celery. So it's a very versatile vegetable. Um, So you're cropping the foliage, you're cropping the stems. It actually is very winter hardy as well. So if you sow the seeds now, you can use it through the summertime raw or cooked. Uh And then during the winter, you can use it as well. Swiss chard, lovely plant, even if you just grew it for aesthetically to add a bit of colour to the garden. Um, It's often used now in cottage garden mix. So you'd often see it actually in some of the beds in Westport as part of the flower beds because the stem colour is fantastic. So it's a lovely plant and um, very easy to grow. Sow it from seed, sow it from plants and um, use it then young. As I say, you can eat it raw, you can cook it. I'll ask Barry for a recipe. Last Barry for a recipe, <laughs> please, please. And, and from memory, it, it the um, it's full of vitamins as well. And I think the vitamins, particularly in the uncooked, in the raw leaves, right. are quite high. Okay, so, so to be kind of along the lines of the spinach or something like that. But nicer, of, uh, a nicer flavour oh, right. than spinach. Well, yeah, spinach. better. It's yeah. not as um, acidic or a kind of. Uh, it's I a know spinach flavor. can be quite of a strong acid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so it's not as um, intense as that. So look at it's a it's a very good vegetable, really easy to grow, and now's the time. Perfect conditions actually at the moment for planting it. Great. My water pond in the garden needs a lot of TLC. Right. Didn't didn't do anything with it this okay. winter. I have some plants and fish in it, but what do I need to do now in April? Well, this is the time of year when you're going to see the plants starting to regrow. The fish are going to become more active. Um, it's a good time to actually clean out about a third. You take about a third of the water mm. out of the pond and replace it with 
fresh water. Now, ideally, if you can get rainwater, great. But if you're using tap water, put put a treatment uh, called Fresh Start into the water. That takes the chlorine out of your ordinary tap water right. and helps to um, add some ac- oxygen back into the pond. So take a third of the water out, siphon that out, take out any over any dead leaves, any kind of rubbish that's in it. Um, and really, that gets the the pond kick-started, as it were. Time to start feeding the fish. And if you need to replant some of the pot, the water, say the water lilies or any of the marginals, mm. it's a good time to repot them now into larger baskets and put them back into the pond again. So it's really kind of a, a it's a clean out. Don't don't empty the entire pond because you get rid of a lot of the beneficial bacteria and you ruin the ecocycle okay, that has been that created. Has built up, yeah. yeah. So you literally just take one third of the old water out, clean out the pond as much as possible, put in the fresh start, which as the name suggests, gets the pond going again. And um, the other the other treatment you can use is a thing called uh, sludge buster, which gets rid of the sludge. Now, in every pond with between fish waste and plant waste, it, it builds up a, a layer of sludge at the bottom. If you add that treatment, it helps to break down any of the sludge, as it were, mm. or decaying matter. It gets rid of that out of the pond. Right. So take out a third of the water, start to feed the fish, start replanting the plants, get some of the old de- debris out and put in the fresh start and the sludge buster and that's really it. The pond is good to go. It's a great time for putting in a pond as well, for putting in a water feature. It's great. a perfect day time. Somebody put on sulphate of iron yesterday. Would it be okay to put on mortone today on the lawn? Well, be careful with mortone because mortone is obviously an agricultural fertiliser. It's used to kill rushes and, and uh, broadleaf weeds and grassland. On a lawn situation, you can often get a lot of scorching with mortone. So if you're using it, um, I would suggest go with a lighter application because you get yellowing and, and scorching of the grass. Now, it will kill the weeds, by certainly. And uh, a day after putting on the iron is, is fine to do that. What, what you often find after putting sulphur of iron on, it tends to burn back the weeds, scorch them back. Um, so if that has happened, then leave the spraying for a, a, another six or seven days to let the, the, the weeds green back up again mm-hmm. because there's no point um, applying a weed killer if the foliage of the weeds have been burnt back and sulphur of iron has that effect on lawns. It'll burn, you know, it can often burn the grass or it can often burn the, the leaves as well of, of the weeds. So if they're burnt back, there's no point spraying. Uh, if they're still green, you can certainly put it on, but I would use a lighter application or else use something like dicoflower, which is very say for lawns or any of the kind of lawn specific treatments whereas Morton is more an agricultural spray. Okay, lovely. Now somebody else has a question about when is the right time or how do you go about setting a new lawn? Well, actually the conditions are perfect at the moment. Um, what you need is the sort of temperatures we're having. You need the soil to be workable, reasonably dry um, so that you can work the soil and create an IC bed. So this week is ideal. Get out there, get the soil dug, get it rotivated, take out any stone and debris, put in a preceding fertiliser, something like park and fairway before you put on the lawn seed and then put on the seed. The temperatures at the moment are perfect for the germination of lawn seed. The main thing is to have the lawn nice and firm underfoot. Mm-hmm. So when you walk across it, you may leave a footprint, but you're not sinking. The soil isn't sinking under you. So have the so- the ground nice and firm before putting on the preceding fertiliser or the seed. And then get on something like green velvet, which is a very good uh, mixture. Grass seed is sold as a mixture. It's like tea leaves. It's a 
mixture of five or six different species of grass and green velvet in particular is one that has a lot of creeping grass, a slow growing grass so yeah. it doesn't, it's easy to maintain. Um, it tends to be a finer grass and that's why in the previous question things like Morton can actually damage those right. grass, grasses okay. if it's a fine grass. So you want to be a little bit careful Yeah, then. but the perfect conditions for sowing your lawns. Do put in the preceding fertiliser before you put on the seed, a day or two before you put it on, rake it in, put on the seed, rake it in, sit back and wait for the lawn to come. Now, Mary and Claire Morris says, thank you for the fab result from my lawn. Did, did as advised, treated the moss in March, then put right. on the Osmo lawn food. Now it's nice and green and healthy. So the question is, should she give it another feed now or how long did, before the first feed lasts? Well, six weeks is yeah. generally six weeks. So where are we now? You know, May, mid-May really would be soon enough. I mean, the lawn, if it's nice and green, it's it, what you'll find with Osmo is that it greens it without forcing it. So it tends to be very slow release. So it gives you that lovely green colour without making the grass grow. So... Maybe another, leave it another three weeks. And mid-May would be soon enough to yeah. actually put on a second application. And could you talk a little bit about leather jackets in lawns, please? Leather jackets, what <laughs> do you want to know? How to kill them, presumably. <laughs> well, yes. Well, yeah. leather jackets will be, the way. The great way to know have you got leather jackets is that the birds will be feeding. You'll see the, the uh, sparrows and, and various yeah. birds, crows and magpies, magpies and whatever, yeah. feeding on your lawn. Um, and if that's a sign you've got leather jackets, you can put on a treatment called Pravado which will get, get rid of them. Um, so that can be mixed in water, put on in the washing can, and it kills them off. They're the larvae of the daddy longlegs. Mm. And um, particularly when we get a wet summer, as we had last year, you tend to get a lot of them in lawns. Um, so if you see lots of evidence, the other thing you'll see, the roots are being et- effectively by the leather jacket. You'll often see the lawn going yellow, discoloured, in particular patches around the lawn. And particularly the birds feeding in the morning is a sure sign that leather jackets are present. So you can treat it. Now, Anne is wondering, what do you feed a prune tree, or presumably a plum tree? Plum tree, yeah. And also, what do we feed for hydrangea? Well, you can use the same fertiliser on both. Um, both require high potash because they're flowering and fruiting. Um, so I would use something like the Osmo Pro 6 would be very good, or a good rose fertiliser, um, something with high potash. So rose feeds are excellent. Apply them now, granulated feed preferably. Um, apply that on the dew at night time will wash it in, and repeat it maybe a month later, and that really keeps them going. And all fruit trees will benefit benefit from a dressing of uh, the Pro 6 or a, a rose feed now because it's plen- there's plenty of potash in it. That induces flowering and fruiting in plants and also for plants like hydrangeas it encourages them to flower. Now, a listener has great memories of his, their father growing beautiful new potatoes, right. a variety called Sharps Express, ah, yeah, which yeah. I know you've discussed previously. Yeah. Uh, they're just variety. wondering, is it possible to get them now? And if so, are they too late to plant? No, no, it's not too late to plant, certainly. I mean, you can plant potatoes right up until the middle of May, the end of May, really. I mean, you know, we always talk... talk so, I suppose the St. Patrick's well, uh, Day the, is kind of the... That's the starter marker. That's the start. And this yeah. year, because March was so great, the, you know, it was lovely weather in March. It was ideal planting weather. Um, but you can still plant um, Sharps Express. It's a really good variety. It's a kidney, kidney-shaped potato, really old variety, um, but a really tasty one. And it's a first early. So if you plant it now, you'll have it probably at the end of... About the middle of July, ready okay. to, to eat. So it, it's, um, you know, it takes about eight weeks for it to mature. Um, but yeah, really good variety. There should be seeds still available and it's not too late to plant. And indeed, you can still plant people that have maybe have purchased potatoes a couple of weeks back mm. and they're sitting in the in the garage, get them into the soil now. The soil conditions are perfect for getting them in. I have a horse chestnut, I have horse chestnut plants rather, sown from seed this time last year. Right. They're in five inch pots. Perfect. Now, what should I do with them? 
uh, will I plant them uh, or what when what do I do now until I plant them in their final position next autumn well you can either repot them into larger pots mm-hmm. or you can plant them out into a little nursery bed if you had a piece of the garden say a little bit of the veg garden or somewhere in the garden that's nice and sheltered nice and sunny you could plant them out spacing them about three feet apart in a nice single row put a little bamboo cane down with each one and then let them grow during the summer months in that area and then lift them in the autumn so they can be dug out of the soil or out of the nursery bed around October, early November and planted into their final position. So either put them into pots and grow them on but you have the the job then of watering them and looking after them during the summer Mm -hmm. or my advice really is to plant them directly into a little nursery bed somewhere sheltered somewhere warm lift them then next autumn. I mean even this year they'll grow they'll put on maybe two feet of growth so they'll be nice kind of two to three feet size plants as we come into the autumn and then as they drop their leaves in November lift them and transplant them and it's a great thing to be planting horse chestnut because they're under threat at the moment are they really? there's a a disease of um, chestnuts in particular here in Ireland that's we we often hear the (coughs) ash dieback which Mm, on the ash tree because ash is kind of a commercial crop it's grown for hurleys and for other timber uses but the poor old chestnut doesn't get too much uh, attention and it's been affected by a particular disease horse chestnut disease which is sweep, swept through Europe and has come into Ireland now and many of the horse chestnuts are actually dying away the mature plants are dying right. away so Gosh. it's something to keep a, an eye on you'll, know, you'll notice on mature trees if there's a lot of canker and bleeding it's called bleeding of the horse chestnuts here. So the extra sap, sap is oozing out of the, then they've got that disease so it's nice to maybe to plant some new plants Okay, and, uh, yeah, I, I always, I have to say, I associate the horse chestnut being a very native tree or, you know, that there's no shortage of them anyway, but... Oh, well, yeah. there's hundreds of them around, yeah. but that's the problem, but the problem that the disease is, is, is actually is spreading. Wipe, yeah, and, okay. and, you know, our botanist friends tell us that, you know, it, we could be seeing the end of the horse chestnut maybe in, over the next 10 years that it's the diseases that effective or uh, destructive wow. and uh, okay. there's no cure for it and it's one of those it's, it is one of those trees that takes quite a long time to grow it isn't sure it? is yeah. Yeah. yeah and very important bees love it and when it's in flower Conquers are great, you know. Yeah, in, it's great fun. Autumn, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. So it's so, yeah, it'd be it tends to be to maybe a little damaged. overlooked sometimes. Um, now we've our son's confirmation next weekend. Please advise on plants that will flower in my pots on the patio next and at weekend. the front door for some much-needed flower colour. Well, you're in a great, great time of year because so many plants have come into flower in the last couple of weeks. Um, just you know, walking through the gardens into last night, of looking at plants like the azaleas are absolutely magnificent at the moment. Both the deciduous and evergreen varieties. They come in a whole range of colours. A beautiful orange variety, yellows, reds, pinks, they're spectacular at the moment. Some of the early rhododendrons are become, beginning to flower at the moment. Um, you've got then plants like, I was looking at um, fantastic uh, dianthus, they're in the carnation family, they were in full flower, beautiful scent off them. They're short bushy plants, mm-hmm. fully frost hardy, ideal in pots and containers or window boxes and they're in full flower at the moment. Violas are showing lovely colour, osteospernums, the sunnies, they're showing lovely colour at the moment. Scented wallflowers, the perennial wallflower, they're beautiful at the moment. This is their time. They're flowering right through April and into May. And they're a wallflower variety that come back year after year and they come in oranges and reds and scarlets. So look, there's a whole range of... There's no shortage of colour at the moment. Um, Spring and early summer colour and particularly suitable for planting in tubs and containers. Now, is it too early to prune hydrangea and what will kill off flowers in a lawn? 
I'm not sure about flowers. Maybe that's weed, weed, weeds, flowered, flowering weeds. Flowering well, what do weeds. we say about weeds? I mean, they're, leaf, they're plants yeah. that are in the wrong yeah. location, aren't yeah, they? That's it. Um, so we would be asking people to leave anything that's flowering in, in terms of dandelions, daisies, leave them alone. You can treat them after they finish flowering in two weeks' time if you can. Mow them, maybe cut, <laughs> give them a trim. I know, but we're, we're, think, we're thinking of, mind, of the bees here, here as well. Mind, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, think of the bees because they are very active at the moment. Um, Going back to the hydrangea, yes, now is the time to cut back the old flowering woods. So just flower the follow the old flowering shoots back to mm. soil level and cut them out. So don't cut the hydrangea like a rose bush. Don't shave it all back. You're just selectively taking out the old flowers. And as I always say, when you prune, you feed. So if you're pruning plants, now is the time to feed them as well. Now. Here at St. Joseph's National School, we have tried some of our un- or your Unwin's sprouting seeds with the children oh, great, with great yeah. success Super. and very enjoyable. So what other plants or seeds should we try now in the classroom and in our vegetable garden? Well, you remember the sprouting seeds? We I do, yeah, sure. We, have, we sampled them well, here sampled them yeah, there, going yeah. back a few weeks ago. And they're great, they're great fun, particularly for kids, because within seven or eight days, you're eating the actual seedlings. Now, what else can you sow? Well, they look, there's so many. Um, what I would be thinking of would be is if they've got a veg garden, any of the herbs, so things like basil can be sown from seed indoors now. Um, you've got your parsley, coriander, dill, all of the Yeah, the coriander herbs. comes up pretty quickly. It does, very yeah. fast. I, 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 you can vouch I, for that. I, 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 I sowed four pots of herbs during the week so I'm waiting to see them come up peep their heads up and have the coriander showing yet not just yet no yeah but I'm yeah it's yeah. not quite seven days yet and parsley can be quite slow but some are very 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 quickly um, vegetable plants they're all available now so I mean all the lettuce there's a lovely cabbage called hispe which is a spring heading cabbage a nice cone shaped cabbage it'll be ready in six weeks before the children finish uh, the, for the summer holiday so plant that beetroot can be planted now um, all the lettuce varieties Laura Rossa maybe some tomatoes a lovely tomato called totem that only grows maybe a foot and a half or two feet high it'd be perfect for a classroom situation because you can grow it indoors the plants are about six inches high now put it into maybe a eight or nine inch pot grow it on a warm windowsill and hopefully you'll have fruit certainly starting before the children finish at the end of June mm. maybe this first amount well they'll hardly be ripening but certainly the fruit will be on them some of the pepper plants as well and chilies they'll all do really well in a glass uh, or a classroom situation on a bright windowsill and again will come into flower very shortly and produce their small chilies and peppers just before um, you know or, or as we're coming into the summer so all the vegetable plants they're, look at, they're all available now even a few of the Sharps Express you could put them into a, a, a tub a or tub, container yeah. and put them out on, on the classroom outside in the classroom let them grow and again they should be ready well again They'll, maybe somebody could bring them home right. at the end of June. The st- but the stalks will be up. The stalks will be up. Yeah. They'll be very visible. Maybe some of the, you know, there might be some of the tubers around egg size at the end of June. But certainly by July, they'll be picking them. So there's loads of vegetables to grow. All the runner beans, I think, are great because yeah. kids can see them growing so quickly. And um, they flower then in, in June and produce their pods during the, the, the summer period. So look, there's lots of... of um, vegetables, herbs and fruiting plants, strawberry plants can be planted as well at this okay. time of year. So loads and loads yeah, of options Yeah, there's plenty there. of them to do. Okay, final question. And um, My roses had lovely green foliage. Now they're gone dead looking. Would the night frost have caused this and what's the best thing to do I'd with say them? A, a, a mixture of, of night frost but also the, we've had very cold winds. That northerly wind for the last mm. two weeks has scorched a lot of uh, young growth on plants. So if they're anywhere open uh, to the wind, certainly that will have scorched them. Look, don't worry about that. The, the rose will come back from that. Just put a little bit of rose feed around the base of it. Within two weeks, it'll have reshooted again, new foliage on it, and it'll be perfectly fine, particularly with this great weather. 
Now, just to remind listeners, mm-hmm. I'm actually in the garden centre today after the show with Peter. And so myself and Peter are going to do an advice session. So if people want to bring any bits of plants they want advice on or they want some recommendations in terms of their garden or some ideas in terms of maybe garden design, pop into the garden centre in Turlock in Castlebar. I'll be there from 12 o'clock on and Peter will be there as well. And we'll, we'll deal with any questions or any queries people have or bits of snippets of plants they want to bring in or how to take cuttings or anything at all. Bring it into the into the the garden centre and we'll be there to answer their questions. Great and just again a reminder of that event in the Bayleaf. In the Bayleaf restaurant Thursday Thursday night night. the 28th so it's all it's kicking off at 7 o'clock tickets are available at the moment and Barry and the team are going to be giving people advice on their healthier lifestyle and recipes. Excellent. It sounds like a very enjoyable and informative evening you as well. Are you looking forward to next Saturday? I, I am. So Mayo Pinkers will you keep a straight cycle. face? You I'll try and do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can't be talking, I'll tell you, you'd be laughing if you saw me in Lycra. Uh, anyway, that's it from the gardening programme for this morning. We are back next Saturday. Uh, Stand by Michael Neary coming your way with Country Classics directly after the news at 10. Until next Saturday, good morning to you.